Welcome back to Our Soul, a podcast by Faith Choice Ohio, Ohio's faith voice for choice. So it's 2024 and everywhere I go, everyone congratulates me. Like I personally won issue one in Ohio and I feel like all of us who work in Repro um, are getting similar vibes, but Ohio is the good place. Ohio is like the paragon of, yes, we we succeeded in this one thing, right? So many other things, no good in this state for friends and colleagues who are trans, for folk who need any kind of wraparound services, for people who just want to be able to vote without um, having burdensome restrictions on them, all of that is still a mess, but when it comes to issue one last year, um, the clouds parted, the sun came down, all is well, right? Right? <laughs> not, not really, though. Not yet. Um, this episode of Our Soul, we're so glad that you have been able to join us. This episode is going to be discussing, uh, between Kelly and I, how the implementation of issue one is going or not going, really, at this point. And what we can expect here in the newly minted abortion haven of Ohio. We have to start thinking of ourselves in terms of relative access to other states and not simply like moping about all the things that we wish were completely different in Ohio because we have a big list for that, right? Um, But when we go and interact with our friends and colleagues in other faith-based abortion positive nonprofits in other states, Um, Many of them are in states that are just miles away from where Ohio is right now, Um, not only physically and geographically, but emotionally, spiritually, and legally. (laughs) Um, We have a lot of colleagues that work in the South and particularly central states who send patients here to Ohio right now because we are the nearest state with open availability for procedures. And that's just a different place for for many of us who've done this work for a while. It's a different place to be in when people are talking about Ohio as the safe haven, as the good place, right? Oh my goodness, we were able to go to Ohio, thank God. Um, abortion is legal in Ohio through 21 weeks and six days right now. Um, That is because we have certain restrictions already on the books and in law that require that restriction, that restricted time frame. Um, Right now, with the passage of issue one last year, that could change for the better. Um, It has to go through a process of legal challenge because we know that our state legislature is not going to just like wake up one day and be like, oh, all those trash laws that we passed over the last 20 years, let's just get rid of all of them because we know the public doesn't like them. They're gonna make us fight each and every single one of these um, tooth and nail and million dollar lawsuit after million dollar lawsuit. Thank you, um, Ohio ACLU, you're the best because you have the lawyers that make all the things happen. But in the meantime, Kelly, like, what do we do here in Ohio when we know that this is now our future, but we don't know how the implementation is going to go? Everything is going to be 
just haywire and uh, diverse ruling after diverse ruling for you know the foreseeable future. What are we doing here at Faith Choice Ohio and in Repro in Ohio in general um, in the meantime? Um, well, first of all, I want to say that like the the I have constantly I think called Ohio the bad place on this podcast, um, and so to have to think about Ohio potentially being a good place and being a place that people were like oh we could make it to ohio thank god like that's just like a bizarre um <laughs> statement to hear um but anyway uh that's that's just the starting place i think like as far as what are we what are we doing here i think um i think like oh, what we what we have to be doing here is just our best i guess caring for the the people that are coming in and 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 it's just a weird it's a weird situation i have to kind of wrap my head around not hating on ohio i mean i never really hated ohio but you know you know what i mean um but i think we especially thinking about our work here at faith choice ohio um we are just doing our best to support the people who do come and who do need, you know, what Ohio has to offer. Um, thinking about our abortion care packages and um, just like our uh, work to care for people who are needing these life saving procedures, you know, um, I think like. I, I often think about I often talk about like therapy on the podcast. I'm like I'm I'm not a therapist. I just go to therapy and then I repeat it to other people and it's like they went to therapy sometimes. But it's it's really just like the therapy is passing through me to other people, but also affecting me as well. Anyway, uh but when thinking about like uh like the future knowing that the future is going to be bad <laughs> and then how do we exist in the present knowing that there are going to be these fights for things that should right rightfully be um you know available to the people of ohio and the people visiting ohio um i often think about like not uh, as much as possible not panicking about a future that is not for certain yet if that makes sense uh, maybe I'm delusional, but <laughs> I think you can, you can both, uh, you know, save for a rainy day, uh, thinking about how, uh, we have our Jubilee fund, um, supporting the, you know, practical other things that happen around an abortion. You can both have your little rainy day fund and save for that and be prepared for that. And also, try to live in the joy of at least it's not happening now and at least we can say that we have um the right to own abortion for up to 21 weeks and six days um yeah that those are kind of just some of my first thoughts what 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 do you think terry so when when you were talking about uh, oh i can't hate on ohio right now i it it made me think um believe it or not about my grandmother <laughs> my father's mother was um came from a an old english family and she married a man whose whole family were like very very welsh appellation like folk who came over from wales 
who worked in the coal mines, like that was part of their identity. And she had to do a lot of what we would call today code switching between her family and my grandfather's family. And she used to talk about my grandfather's mother. So it would be her mother-in-law, always good to have your mother-in-law uh, in relationships. Um, she'd talk about her, her mother-in-law as uh, giving what she liked to call the Welsh well done because her mother-in-law could never, ever just compliment something. It was part of Welsh culture that the way you compliment something is you say it was good and then you tell how it could be better because that's what we do, right? Part of our culture, and particularly as, as Appalachians, right, Welsh people in Appalachia, it, it, nothing is perfect, right? Appalachian Protestants, it's this Protestant work ethic of we're never good enough, and it's never, it's all this, you know, kind of problematic reform theology, which is a topic for another day. I can talk all day about it, right, with my therapist. Yeah, yeah, with with my therapist, um, who has a very nice car, thanks to me, uh, and my, my many years of service, but... Um, you know, for example, like she, she'd come in, you know, great grandmother, she'd come in to, you know, like a, a dinner and she'd say, oh, this is absolutely wonderful. And it would be so much lovelier with some, some cheese or you're like, whatever it was she looked and she saw did not exactly. Yeah. So like, it just, it was, it was this constant, I feel like we do in Ohio and especially in Ohio repro, we do the Welsh well done on everything, right? We can look at the best possible thing. And as my other grandmother would say, you wouldn't be happy if you were a taster in a pie factory, right? Like there's always something that we can find. And it's not because we're dissatisfied. It's not because we're, we're ungrateful or, you know, we're, we're somehow um, always negative. It's because we love this place so much that we want to see it better. Um, so that's that's the first thing I'd say in defense of of being a little crabby about Ohio. But um, I think in this meantime, we are in a space where we're doing that already but not yet work that faith communities do all the time, right? We already have this fantastic change to the Constitution voted into law, but it's not yet implemented. All right, we have to hold our government to account for the aspirations that have now been placed in that constitution and for the rights that we have conferred um, in that space. We have affirmed that we have these rights and that they are ours. They have been conferred upon us from external realities, and we expect our government to honor them. We expect the government to honor our right to reproductive freedom with health and safety. Bag on it. Um, so figuring out how to implement that means the lawyers and the really educated folk who are going to you know, bring lawsuits in and work this through the courts and work this through the legislature and pick it all apart, they're going to do their job. They're going to do their work. I'm not that person. That is not my job. That is not my work. I will support them in any way I can. But at the end of the day, like I deal with 2000 year old texts. I don't deal with like pleadings and briefs and legal kind of stuff all the time. Right. What I also deal with um, on a regular basis are real flesh and blood people. 
right? Pastoral care for people who have been harmed and abused by systems that have denied them the reproductive care they need. Um, people who are in religious systems that shame them for the reproductive care they choose. People who are terrified about their abortion because they've been fed lies and stigma from crisis pregnancy centers and, you know, not so well-meaning religious people. Um, that's what I deal with every day as a pastoral caregiver and a person working in repro. So when we work through the Jubilee Fund, we're doing that triage immediate care with people. And it is all the wraparound services. If folks need transportation, if folks need lodging, if folks need childcare, if somebody needs interpretation services, we have, have you know, uh, financed and arranged and constructed around people who need that, anything that a person needs to access their care in this state, we got a fund for that, right? And we, we've already heard, you know, the, the previous um, episode in this podcast series talked uh, extensively about the lack of funding that is kind of washing over the face of Ohio right now, right? Lots of people assume that the main problem is getting the change in the Constitution. That's true. We had to spend a ton of money and a ton of effort and a ton of time in 2023 to get all of that done. But now that that change in the Constitution has been made, we need people to be generous and full of care for their neighbors to be able to fund transportation, lodging, child care, and abortion procedures. So abortion funds and practical support funds across our state need those resources. They're not getting those resources because funding is fickle, and a lot of times funders have to triage what is the most critical, important, and crisis-driven place that they can put their money. And right now, the crisis is not Ohio because we've succeeded. It's kind of that moment when, as a pastor, I, I deal with this all the time, when folk are down on their luck, they are receiving substantial benefits from the state and federal government, and then they get a job. They get a job, they get their own place, they get sustained income, and all of a sudden, all of those benefits go away. Because those benefits are too often like light switches instead of you know being on any kind of a sliding scale or a dimmer. And all of a sudden, these agencies say, well, you're not in crisis anymore, so you don't need money. There is this moment between a person going off of public assistance and being able to, you know, sustain themselves when it's really questionable and rocky, where, you know, one $50 car repair could put this person back on to public assistance, could put them out on the street, could put them out of a job. And the way that we historically have dealt with that in this state, not the best of ways, but we have dealt with that through the nonprofit industrial complex and places like churches, mosques, synagogues, right? Where when somebody has nobody else to help them, they come to these religious organizations. Well, the struggle, of course, is if somebody gets in that kind of position around a question of abortion or abortion care, how many places can they go that are open and able to provide that kind of secondary support care, that unofficial um, charitable care, right? It's a struggle. 
I wish the world were set up in a way that we did not need, quote-unquote, charitable care. Because I hate that word. I hate the idea of charity, right? Because charity, in terms of just giving money to somebody and hoping it fixes their problem, that's not the kind of work that we do. We do solidarity funding, but we have to call ourselves a charity because state paperwork makes that a reality, right? We're a 501c3 nonprofit charitable organization, right? But we rely on that kind of communal support, that mutual aid process. I wish we had mutual aid processes that could fund all of the needs of all kinds of folk. We do, however, live in a system where we need charitable giving. We need people who are able to, you know, send uh, you know, some of them five, ten dollars a month. I mean, some people, God help us, um, you know, when, when we get the thousand dollar check in the mail, we do a little dance. I'm not going to lie. Right. Um, but those those five dollar a month donations make my heart so full because it is this reality where all of us are pulling together and we're pulling together for the success and flourishing yeah. of every person. And that's what we've been doing for decades, right? 30 plus years here at Faith Choice Ohio. That's what we're going to keep doing. But in this particular moment, we're doing that work with an earnest eagerness. We're doing that with a sense of, of urgency that's appropriate urgency to make sure that the people who need care in this moment don't fall through the crack in yeah. our celebration. Yeah. I think uh, right? that, that reminds me, again, of path, pass-through therapy that I'm going to give all of you. Um, <laughs> so, uh, like, you were talking about, and, and I think, like, last, last time we talked a lot about, like, uh, individual people supporting and, like, how now that Ohio has won issue one, uh, we are, you know, seeing a lot of people can feel like we won. And so, like, why do we need to be working on this? Or there are other issues that could be more worth our time, um, given that, like, that time is, like, limited and that money is also a limited resource. So um, to think about, like, funders also doing that is um, a, a good a good topic to also bring up. But uh, to go to the pass-through therapy thing. So um, in the last month, I have been dealing with um, my cat who needs to be on medication, and I have to give him medication every day. And on the packaging, it says, do not stop giving this medication abruptly. Like, it is important that you don't do that. And it made me think about, I also take anti-anxiety medication. Well, it's more like anti-depression um, medication, and... I notice when I go like two days without taking it because I have ADHD and so I do forget to take my meds. Um, I'm trying to be better about it, but sometimes you just miss it. And then two days later, you, you know, uh, you eat lunch a little bit late and somebody says something to you mildly sideways and you start crying. Um, and so, you know, thinking about that light switch of the like government assistance, I also like I've known other people I know other people in my life who like have considered not getting a job because then they would lose the health insurance that they have the food benefits that they have um all that kind of thing just because um you know the the government decided that oh you make over whatever we considered uh is the amount that you can make to uh be eligible for these benefits and it's like 
it, it that's not how that works like when you when you come off of medication similar to my medication and the medication i'm giving my cat uh you do not just like go cold turkey like you know i think about like i've been doing pretty well in therapy not gonna lie um to the point that like we've discussed uh should should we continue should we do deeper work like what what does that look like and just because i'm doing better doesn't mean oh i can stop taking my antidepressants or i can stop doing all of the things that i've learned to do to care for myself because it's those things that led me to the point that i'm doing well that doesn't mean that i like stop now i stop doing all the work that i've been doing to get to this place um it just means that I need to like keep the routine and if there are some things that I can come off of that should probably be done gradually like a dimmer like you said before. So uh, I yeah I think uh, you you bring up something important I didn't even like think about like how the the funding like not only from people but like also from like the larger scale like it, it's kind of the nonprofit industrial complex I mean we don't enjoy it but we are indeed a part of it and so um you know it can be rough to think about like how how easily um you know situations can change because i know like you know if a funder no longer wants to fund something then like that organization has to make up for that money and like that is not easy so um and I know, like, we were talking before this, uh, I work in development, have, like, my whole career has been in fundraising. And so uh, in all of the jobs that I've been in, there's been this desire, and I think this is just, like, kind of a general development thing, to uh, kind of balance out the different areas of funding, mainly, like, grants versus uh, community support and trying to get more community support because it is in the end usually the people who support um uh organizations that keep it uh running and it is more um sustainable to have a community of people who are giving you know small amounts like five ten dollars um a month uh versus like a uh funder that could change their mind one day anyway <laughs> And, you know, we we use some of these words in ways that, like, we know what they mean, but I'm I'm just interested, you know, I'm going to put yeah. you on the spot here kind of quick, because you are a development professional, a development diva par excellence, right? I mean, you do this work so well and with such a conscious eye toward those elements of justice that we hold so dear as values here at Faith Choice Ohio. Um, I, I'm interested, we're going to go ahead and link in the show notes a short explainer on what the nonprofit industrial complex, what that language means, as well as the text that is kind of considered the, the seminal text for NPIC work, um, which is the revolution will not be funded, yes. um, a, a cooperative element of insight. Mm -hmm. But I'm interested to know, can you give like a thumbnail sketch for our listeners if they've never heard that phrase, the nonprofit industrial complex before? What does nonprofit industrial complex mean to you? Well, I will first admit that I have not finished the the um, revolution will not be funded. It is on my bookshelf. I just have not read it. I um, told myself one day that I was going to be 
really good at reading professional development books and then continue to only read fantasy. Side note, I've read 13 <laughs> books this year and none of them are professional development. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so but when I think about the nonprofit industrial complex, I think about the fact that like they're uh, the nonprofits are often used for uh, rich people to keep themselves from having to pay taxes. They instead put their money um, into funding nonprofits um, and uh, giving, you know, sometimes large donations to offset their tax um liability is that the word like how much they have to pay and yes. um the reason that i i think about this and and maybe this is completely wrong and terry you can absolutely correct me after i finish but um uh i i think like one of the things that makes me angry about the way that um nonprofits work is that this money that like if given through taxes and if the tax system like actually funded community needs nobody would ha there would be no need for my job i wouldn't have to exist because the needs and rights and um resources that people need would already be um funded through the government um and so basically um as as a development professional as a fundraiser uh ideally i wouldn't exist um and people would just give or like you know pay their taxes and um wouldn't have to rely on rich people to um give sums of money to organizations just so they could stay afloat that's why i'm happy that um at least well at if one how where i work now we have like made a stand that we you know we treat every donor equally we um you know don't give people special treatment just because they may give more money um and we're not like we're not doing any extra work because we believe that everybody in the community is equally valued and should be treated equally you know um, so anyway, that is just some of my thoughts on um, nonprofits and fundraising. But you can let me know if like that is completely off base or if these are just my little opinions. It's not at all off base and your opinions are not <laughs> little. Anyone listening to this can hear the care and compassion and expertise in in your voice uh, that you bring to this work, Kelly. You've you've really given such a great overview because that is the concern writ large that as we engage in this very complex system, we have to acknowledge that historically charitable organizations have often been co-opted by the very wealthy as a means to secure their wealth and to protect their income from additional taxation. And we, we acknowledge that, we look toward that, and we also realize that we can use that money in ways that bring liberation and true transformation, that we do not live in a binary world, we live in a world that we can contain multitudes in ourselves and we can have multiple truths being executed at the same time. Um, very, very good view of where we are. And that's frankly 
the wild, wonderful world of Ohio. I know, you know, wild, wonderful West Virginia, that's their catchphrase. Ohio's pretty wild and wonderful, too. That might even be uh, the title for the episode, Wild, Wonderful Ohio. Um, because we don't know what the first legal challenge is going to be coming at this brand new law. We know that we have folks at the legislature that are trying to upend, like, you know, 250 years of jurisprudence um, and strip the courts of their authority to hear challenges to parts of the Constitution that they don't like, which I think it's really fascinating that we have people who call themselves um, small government defenders and call themselves conservative, you know, capital C conservative, um, who now want to, like, pick and choose what parts of the Constitution we get to uh, file under. Uh, and how we follow the Constitution will change based upon how we feel about parts of it. Um, that is just creating wild amounts of uncertainty in our lives. But that uncertainty, frankly, is no worse than the uncertainty that has been in the lives of every single person who has needed reproductive care in this state for the last 20, 25 years while this war has raged on making their bodies battlefields in this political back and forth. Um, we are we are in the midst of the fight and we are pressing forward. So I'm I'm eager to see uh, what the future brings, but when I hear you describe the work that is being done in our state and the reality that we are indeed the good place for a great number of people. We are a place for which many have sighed like, to to or get at least to. Like not as know? bad, <laughs> you know. Like when right, you're, right, uh, right. When you're escaping from a bad situation, even something mildly like better is still way better. And I think like you know we can we can be happy that we are becoming somewhere that can be a relief a a uh you know an easing of that like pain from the other states that are not um as protected in their abortion rights uh at least we can say like we have that so i think we have we have this thing going for us that i guess like you know you were talking about that that kind of like compliment with <laughs> with an improvement where i'm just giving ohio feedback <laughs> and i just i think that we could do better you know you're doing a great job good good job on on doing that big thing really good for you however we still live in the nonprofit industrial complex where we live under a state of capitalism when we're upholding rich people that's not great also we could like we could like you know make things easier for people we could make it easier for people to get access to healthcare and life-saving procedures but i digress um well you know a win is a win and we will take a win while we can and uh you know on that note <laughs> we're pretty much out of time <laughs> terry it is great to have you back after your lovely vacation um and we will be back in a couple weeks Thank you for listening to this episode of Our Soul. If you'd like to hear more of our conversations on religion, abortion access, and all things repro, you can find all our episodes on Podbean, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. For more content, training, and other information, check us out at faithchoiceohio.org.